my name is Amy Keating Rogers, and I write for My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, and you're listening to the MBS Show. Hello and welcome to the MBS Show, and this is a very special episode. This is episode number 100. Yes. Oh my god, I would have never imagined reaching this high. But anyway, I am your host, Norman Sanzo, the crazy person that did this podcast. Yay! So joining with me today is Daniel Anthony. Hi, Norman. Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm okay. First time I'm quite wide awake at this time of the morning. Caffeine? Uh, no, just happiness. <laughs> that is Very good. rare. That is good. That is good. So also joining with us today is James Cork. Hey there, Norman. Hey there, Daniel. How are you guys doing? I am happy. I, I am excited. I am so many words in my mind right now, but I'm okay. The general term is happy. Yes, indeed. So, James, what about you? How are you? Um, I'm really good. Happy, hopeful, upbeat, and uh, full of energy. Yay. It has yeah. nothing to do with the fact that I ate, uh, I drank a 200 millimeter coffee before starting, but hey. Uh, you are <laughs> never going to get too bit then. But yeah, <laughs> no, no sleeping. It may kick in halfway through, you never know. <laughs> but anyway... Let's move on to the next topic, and the next topic is news time. And in today's news time, warning, Hasbro's website got hacked. Recently, Hasbro's website got hacked. The hack involves a chain of redirects that download a malicious Trojan that can potentially steal information from an unprotected computer. Links can be found in the show notes. So guys, what do you think about this? This is kind of bad. Well, I think this is Hasbro finally deciding to take on the brownies and destroying the fandom. How so, IT expert Dan? What do you think? I I, I don't know. Based on how, how I think about Hasbro, that sounds just about right. But, well, guys, just actually public service message from all of us. Please, please, please protect your computers. Alrighty then. And that's a PSA from the MBS show. Yay! Anyway, let's move on to the next topic. Little Brown Book published Equestria Girl, Rainbow Rocks, and Megan McCartney says Adagio Dazzle is not DJ Pontree's name. Mm. It seems that Equestria Girls 2 might be a reality in book form. Published by Little Brown Books, it's going with the title Rainbow Rocks. It features the girls dressing up in 80s glam rock with fixed paint and all. The book cover features the main six with DJ Pontree. Also, at a recent toy fair, a quick description was given for the toys. What's interesting about this was the characters. The characters that were mentioned was Pinkie Pie, Twilight Sparkle, and Adagio Dazzle. Fans have speculated that Adagio Dazzle is going to be the new name for DJ Pwn 3 in Equestria Girls 2. But this was shot down by Megan McCartney saying nope in a Twitter post. Links can be found in the show notes. So guys, believe it or not, EQG2 might be a reality, and Adagio is a character. <laughs> I don't have anything good to say about EQG2, so let's, for me, I thank God that Adagio Dazzle isn't DJ Pontry, because Adagio does not suit her. Taking into account how Hasbro has adapted their property into motion picture format, I'll say My Little Pony has been probably the most successful one when it comes to fun reaction. Because so far, nobody has wanted to kill Jason Thiessen over it. <laughs> However, there is a legion of fans that want to murder Michael Bay for the Transformers <laughs> movies. Uh, you can say that um, about Jason is, Thiessen. You can't say the same about M.A. Larson. <laughs> it, is, it is also really, really pathetic because when it comes to Hasbro properties again, 
the best one that has done, at least critically wise, I'll say is Battleship. That Think was about creative. it. Look that at the creative. reviews. Look at the reviews. Look at the movie. And look at the reaction that it got from the people who went to watch it. I think it didn't do very well economically wise, box office wise, but everyone will agree that a movie about Battleship, in which they play Battleship, and they managed to pull it off. No, literally, they do play Battleship. And they managed to pull it, they made it work. That's the scary part, is that it makes sense within the context of the movie. It's unbelievable. Okay. And they managed to make it work. Personally, I'm very happy with Equestria Girl still happening. I like the first one, and I mm. want to see more of it. I want to see more of that world. It's interesting. It's it's kind of like uh, when people were talking about Equestria Girl saying, oh, it's like Doug. <laughs> La, uh, all the characters have different color skins and everything. And I'm like, yeah, but they are all likable. However, in Equestria Girls, there wasn't some, there was any, there was nothing like that. Every character was likable. Really? Every, you every, like every, snails? Yeah, even the villain was like, I like, I like Sunset Shimmer, I like Snips and Snails. They were, they were endearing. They were kind of cute in their, that, in their, uh, how daft they were. I, I liked Flash Sentry. I, I liked Tyrion and the Kitty Marker Crusaders. Even Luna was, uh, was a somewhat likable character, even though her design was horrible. <laughs> but the, the, the characters were likable and that was the most important part of the movie. If they're going to give it a sequel, give it a sequel. Well, as for me, I don't mind it because here's the thing. From what they're showing us, it's going to be rock team, 80s glam, something like that. And you know what that means? A lot of music. And I don't mind the music. Bring it on. I love it. <laughs> but there's this thing, uh, Adagio. What's about this character? My theory is that she's going to be the new protagonist for the show. It would be interesting. Um, okay, for all of you who don't really know, Adagio translates as Italian tempo marking in music, which means at a walking pace. That doesn't sound very exciting. It's just a name. doesn't really matter. Maybe she's going to be the antagonist. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew about Sunset Shimmer. Mm, true. Well, there was the toy reference. But, Sun- yeah. Sunset Shimmer, SS, Adagio Dazzle, <laughs> actually kind of rhymes. And into the next news, official My Little Pony soundtrack now on Spotify. If you haven't gotten the official My Little Pony soundtrack from iTunes or Amazon, here's another avenue for you to get them. The soundtrack is now available on Spotify for your listening pleasure. Links can be found in the show notes. So who here uses Spotify? I do. Oh, could you explain what Spotify is? Because I got no idea. Well, Spotify is basically a service for you to stream music for free. So think about it like a media player with all the songs in the world. As long as you've got a good little stable internet connection, it just streams whatever you want to play on your PC, of course, and Mac. You can't really get the same service on your phone unless you have the premium service, but still, it's pretty good. So it's free then? Like every music over there is free? It is free, although somewhere in between tracks, they'll insert little advertisements that you have to listen to and you can't skip. Otherwise, everything's free. Oh, well... That's okay. That's cool. And, well, a uh, good reason to try out Spotify, if you ask me. Oh, yes. Jamesy? Uh, honestly, I don't use Spotify. I go to the Google Play Store. Mm. I already got the soundtrack a couple of months ago when it was first released. Mm. Anyway, let's move on to the next news. We have a lot to go through, boys. In the next news, more pony books coming this year. In an exclusive preview by Entertainment Weekly, they have announced some books that might be of interest to us. 
The first book was My Little Pony Collectible Poster, a collection of original artworks by artists who have worked on the show and comic. Example is Andy Price. The second book is My Little Pony, The Journal of the Two Sisters, Official Chronicles of Celestia and Luna, written by Amy Keaton Rogers. I'll guess so this week. Yay! The book is a recreation of the diaries from the show, and it also includes journal entry from the main six, and a blank section for the fans to write their own journal with. Hmm. The last book is My Little Pony, The Daring Do Adventure Collection, a collection box set containing three original novels about the Daring Pony. The book comes inside a treasure chest that includes an exclusive golden idol Daring Do Mini Pony figure. Things can be found in the show notes. What do you think of this book set that is coming out? Well, I'm excited for all of them. Not much of an art collector, but the Daring Do one sounds really good. This is going to be pretty much the first so- sort of um, spin-off within the show. Like, the fiction within a fiction, in a sense. And I'm really interested in seeing that come. That's the smart marketing. That's what they should be doing from the very beginning. Forget about the main six one-shots and focus on a Daring Do book series. I'll totally buy that. In fact, I want to buy that. And it could be canon with the show, if you think about it. Like that book that Rainbow Dash read and read it and weep. Yeah, it could have those. And then you open up an AK Yearlings autographs right there. <laughs> that would be funny. I'd like to see that. And moving on to the next topic is... 100 questions from the fans. No, I'm just lying with you guys. It's just episode 100 questions from the fans that email us and we're going to answer them. And first question comes from Robert Patrician, also known as the mod for Aspun. What sort of metrics do you use to evaluate the popularity of each episode? And I'm going to go with reviewer expert himself, James Cork. Well, usually, um, lately, I think the, ne- the level of uh, Jimmy Rustling that happens in the fandom is a good measure to weigh, to see how popular an episode is. In, in that case, I guess that the, the the Discord episode has been the most popular of them all because, oh my god, that caused so much drama. It's definitely not a matter of ratings. You cannot measure the quality or the popularity of an episode on the ratings. You have to measure on the amount of time that that episode is remembered. Like, for example, I think that the most, uh, one of the most popular episodes of the season was Castlemania, but people barely forget, remember it because, uh, there was, there wasn't so many, there wasn't that much memetic material in it as there were in other episodes, like, uh, in Rarity Takes Manhattan or, uh, even the, the latest one with Pinky. Cheese uh, Sandwich, uh, Pinky Pride. Even that, even though those episodes have a lot of memetic material that you can make memes and so extend the popularity of the episode beyond its release date. So I'll say wh- what measures the popularity of an episode is how much you can squeeze out of it in terms of memes and in terms of jokes and in terms of inspiration for producing fan art and fanfics. Hmm. Oh, that's a good uh, metric system. And what about you, Dan? Well, to be honest, popularity, um, I don't know if you know me well enough, but I really don't care what's popular. But basically, 
based on how much someone would recommend that episode to someone else. Mm. Because we used to ask this question, I used to ask this question a lot to our guests, you know, the, the magic bullet. Which episode are you most likely to show someone who's not a brony to try and convert them? Mm-hmm. And, you know, which one do you think is the magic bullet that works on everyone? So you, we could see that Sonic Rainbow was a popular episode. Everyone talks about it and 20% cooler, all these kind of things. They make the episodes that seem to become more popular, like even... Oh, sorry, what was that? Suited for success. That's where twenty percent cooler came from, and um, you know the the, the Sonic Rain new less than zero, less than zero is also popular. But um, um, okay, now I know James gonna kill me for this, but there's nothing I really took out of uh, Pinky Pride. So I would, uh, but I see a lot of other people taking away things like Cheese Sandwich and Weird Al from it. So that's probably a popular episode as well. It's popular, but not really my thing. So yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't have the need to kill you because Pinky Pride is not a reality <laughs> episode, so you're fine. <laughs> All right, then. As for me, I would have to say how well the music was done and were there any memorable scenes. And for me, like, I still remember Suited for Success because of that song. And also I remember at the gala. Was it called at the gala, James? That season finale for season one? It was called The Best Night Ever. It featured the song at the gala. That was memorable for me because of how Fluttershy went insane. I mean, that was some of the good parts of that show. And popularity, that's a hard one because to each his own. But anyway, thank you, Robert. Thank you for the question. And let's move on to the next person, Ethan Crank, a friend of mine and an awesome brony. And his question is, my question is, (laughs) wow. Out of all the interviews you have done, with the various bronies, VAs, and such, who was your favorite interviewer and why? <laughs> I think that's going to happen in a couple of minutes. So I'm going to say the one that we're going to have in this episode. Please. <laughs> and what about you, Dan? I really don't know how to answer this. Like, I love the guests very, very much. And um, interviewing is often like, you know, sometimes you can reach a point where you get so darn nervous that you're like, Okay, what am I going to ask? What am I going to ask? What am I going to ask? And I know Norman is shaking in his chair right now. But um, basically, to be honest, I really liked almost all of them. The ones that really stood out that were really, really fun, I have to say one of them was Draco from mainland China, the Chinese brony. He was really, really excited to be on the show, and I had a lot of fun during his episode in particular. So shout out to you, Draco. You were awesome. Mm, awesome, awesome. And as for me, this is going to sound cliche, but it's true. All 100 of the guests that we... Okay, I'm lying if I say 100, but all of the guests that we had on the show, every one of them is special to me, and I like them all. If you're pointing a little weapon at my head, I would have to say my favorite one, and the one I dearly appreciate is James Cork. Uh, You're just (laughs) sagging out to me because you want a free picture. Nothing else. (laughs) Oh, I wish. Well, but seriously, having you on was... uh, chance moment where I had no guess and I got no idea what to do. I just put a random tweet and you answer it. And after that, you just came on and on and on and didn't want to leave. (laughs) So I'll just invite you on. (laughs) Are you sure this is a compliment? Because it sounds more like a complaint. (laughs) Uh, I'm just joshing with you, man. But seriously, you're one of the most funnest bronies I ever had on the show. And having you as a part of the crew, that is awesome. (laughs) Welcome aboard. One more. Dan, you too. Having you on the show changed the whole feel of how we did things. Oh, yeah. I can flip tables very well. (laughs) 
That should be my cutie mark. Sleeping table. Okay, cool. Uh, but seriously, man, thanks for being on and helping with the background work, helping with the things that happen behind the scenes. Uh, no problem, man. And let's move on to the next question. And I like this person. I really like this person. And this question comes from Nathan Barlow, also known as Shikari Speeder. And he asked, this question is for all from me, Nathan Barlow, a.k.a. Shikari Speeder. From all these years, from the start of when the fandom began and up until the present, what was the most amazing thing that you all experienced within the years of being a part of the fandom? Hope bump, then. Okay. Um, well, I have to share this story. It's going to take a little moment, but um, I think some of y'all know in the Malaysian Bronies that I went to Manila a couple of weeks ago. Actually, it was last week. Yeah, I went to Manila last week, and when I got there, I, w- I just told a couple of Bronies there, yep, I'm going over to Manila to go and see you guys when I'm free. And basically, when I got there, they were at the airport waiting for me. These are Bronies, Bronies I've never met in real life. Bronies that I've met through, you know, the Philippine Brony group. So big shout out to them over there. And they took good care of me throughout my entire week in Manila. They showed me around everywhere. I was actually expecting to have this, you know, best plan is no plan. Wander around Manila till I see something shiny. <laughs> but <laughs> they took me around. They took me to really really great places they took me to uh, a few of them were intramuros they took me to the city built by the spanish which is really beautiful so now i pretty much know how james house looks like i think i know how james house looks oh like my. and uh and they even took me to some malls around and uh even this place called divisoria where i have no idea how that place came to be but i could restock my entire party cannon just from that one shopping complex alone there are so many balloons and party stuff right there and it's just so touching to see that we just know each other from brony groups. We don't need to know each other really on a very personal level just yet, but they still put aside their time and energy to make my stay in Manila a very worthwhile one. And it was all thanks to bronies. Mm. So yeah, that was the best thing that happened. Wow, that's awesome. And James, got anything from that? Yes, I have one. Okay, this is not so spectacular when I am when I have seen people. Uh, gathering incredible amounts of money in like a matter of days. This has to do with donations and this has to do with charities. Mm-hmm. So during the recording of this episode, we were gathering money to help out this kid, Michael Marones. And at the time of recording this, we have like almost $30,000. And this has happened on the time span of two days. That's, that's unbelievable. However, the moment that I realized I was part of a very special fan base happened during the first weeks of 2012. Okay, I, if you guys know a particular grim dark tumbler called as Little Miss oh, Rarity, yeah. I, I remember her. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Regardless of the of the subject of the tumbler, I am friends with the guy who mods it. I am friends with the with the artist. His name is uh, Jay Jay Van Esbroke, and he was living, at the time he created Little Miss Rarity, he was living in a house with his abusive father, his mother, and his two brothers. And so far, he was the only guy getting money into the house through commission work. And he had moved into Tumblr like two months before he made an announcement. He announced on his, uh, he announced on his Tumblr, that he was moving to a new house away from his father 
he was going to stay with his mom and they were going to be living together and so nobody could bother them. However, this is kind of like a special uh, government protected house that you have to you have to auction for it. Mm. And the minimum auction price that was for the house uh, reached to $1,000. $1,000 that they didn't have in the moment. So Jay made an announcement and he fired up a stream. He said, okay, guys, I'm going to try and raise $500. Uh, and my mom is going to pay the other $500. We have until Friday to do this. He managed to get the $1,000 in an hour. Wow, okay. I saw it live. I saw how people were saying, no, 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 we help you out. Here, 100, 50, I have 20, I have 10. I'm going to send five. I have like 200. I'm going to send them through. Okay, do it, do it. So like 50 guys uh, gather, gathered up all this money. They send it to him. And he actually, he was gone for the first hour of the stream. He came back. He checked his PayPal. He went, holy. That's when I realized I was in a very special fan base. When uh, when they managed to gather up out of nowhere, 50 guys came together and threw the money to this guy and they managed to get him a house so he could move away from his abusive father and he's been living ever since then in, in, a happy, in that happy house with his mother. And they're happy, they're fine, they're okay. They've been living there for two years and they're great. So that was the, that's the most amazing thing that I have ever experienced in these years being part of this fandom because... Yeah, I, I have seen many things happen that, that, that they were unbelievable charity drives. My, my charity drives, let alone those, those gather a total of, I think we, we got over $6,000 in, in, in total, all combined. But that was, that was very out of nowhere. I had never seen any show of support to be so, uh, so powerful, so powerful so quick. Mm -hmm. Wow, that that is an amazing story, James. Seriously, and it trumps whatever I have to say. <laughs> but nah, come on. But if I well, since Nathan asked this question, I, I have to answer it. As for me, the amazing thing I experienced within this fandom is well, I don't I don't know. Maybe all the art I've seen um, this fandom produce, or the music or even the live stream or even the charity it's just all amazing like this one fandom that we're in produced so much work of art and so much creativity out of it and it's just awesome being a part of this i got no idea what to say uh, like i said my story was trumped by james's story <laughs> uh, but anyway moving on to the next one and uh, then you want to read this one uh yeah sure so this is, comes from Akmal Shafi and says, Hi guys, I'm a fan here. Congrats on almost making it to the 100th episode of the MBS show. Come on, come on, what do you mean? We're here already. This milestone greatly proves how passionate and professional you guys are about our beloved ponies. Now on to the subject at hand. What is the current state of the brony phenomenon in Malaysia or for that matter in the whole of Asia? Is it as massive as in the US of A or Europe? Will there ever be a Southeast Asia brony convention? It would be really awesome if you guys asked this in the episode since I locally never saw much appreciation for the show, the bulk of the community I received from the internet and nowhere else. So thanks in advance. Well, Akmal, um, I guess I'll go first with this. I think, um, you know, everything in Asia is a little slow now because, you know, we're very close to Japan and everyone watches anime over here. So Ponies didn't take off that well, but it still has its audience. So 
it's really great that you, you're part of it. And it's no, it's definitely not as massive as USA or Europe. But um, speaking of a brony convention, actually, there have been a couple of conventions in the past held in Manila in the Philippines, where I went just a few <laughs> weeks ago, but it wasn't for a brony convention. And yep, in May this year, they're going to be having PH PhPonyCon, the third PH PhPonyCon in Manila. So yeah, if you want to go for a Southeast Asian brony convention, that's probably the one that's coming up next for you. Woo-hoo. Well, th- that is a good question, Akmal. And, well, the whole bulk of the Boney fandom is on the internet, seriously. We do have a few gatherings up in the capital, but it's nothing like what the US and Europe do. And talking about Europe, we have a European on the show. So, James, what's the Brony scene for you? The Brony scene for me is I'm poor I, uh, and I cannot afford going to any convention. Oh. I am going to do a stream. I want to do a stream to gather funds uh, to try and go to Buck this year because I really want to go to Buck. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know who's coming. I don't know what, when is it or, or for how long. But I heard it's going to be in Manchester. Mm-hmm. So if I go there, I'm going to be there for like 10 days, visit Manchester, go to Buck, and then have fun. And... This is a piece of advice for anyone going to conventions, okay? Because this this usually happens. Okay, two pieces of advice. One, go for longer than you are planning to go to the convention, okay? Don't just go the three days that you're going to stay for the con. Stay for like seven days or eight days. Do a bit of tourism. Visit the place. Learn about the learn about the country, and also so you can get used to the jet lag. And that's the other thing. Is that if you can go to the go to cons that are on your same area or like for one hour of difference from your country? Because imagine if I go from Spain to uh, to Malaysia, for example, there are like what seven hours of difference? Eight? About nine? seven or eight. Oh my God! I'm going to be falling all over the place, <laughs> sleeping on. <gasps> I need to go to bed. So take that into account. You need to be careful with that. Okay. That's, that is a good piece of advice. And, well, yeah, what James said is true. If you're going abroad for any particular reason, especially for a brony convention, do take the time to sightsee. Like, if the con is two days, maybe spend another extra three days. First, to get used to the environment, and second, just to look around. Like, if you're traveling to BronyCon, which was in Baltimore, well, take a look around. It's pretty good. And if you were going to Buck, and like James said, it was in Manchester, well, just take a look around. Maybe buy a football ticket just to see a game by Manchester United, who's losing. Duh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even if you're not a fan of Manchester United, Old Trafford is a nice place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And thank you, Akmal, for the question. And let's move on to the next question. Yeah, sure. Next question comes from Sawyer Stephen. It says, hello, I wanted to ask a question specifically about the fandom. Hmm. I am a new musician currently working on some songs for the fandom. With me having a busy schedule, I really cannot create, write, and vocalize the project all the time. Is there advice or a way to team up with someone in the fandom who also does that kind of stuff? Kind of like Mike the Microphone alongside Wooden Toaster. Mm-hmm. Thanks and appreciate your time, Sawyer. So, um, anyone want to go before me? Because I'm thinking of an answer for this. Okay, well... I have to say this then. Um, Sawyer, do link us your YouTube page because we don't know how you work because you you may go under a new synonym on on YouTube. But still, um, if you do listen to this, do send in an email letting us know your YouTube account and stuff because I would really like to hear what you play. But at the question at hand, 
just keep at it. Just do your music and hope you get noticed. And well, it doesn't hurt to promote sometimes. Promote it on EQD, promote it on... Uh, Dan, where's a good website to promote Brony Music World? Oh, well, there's Pony FM. Yeah, mm. that's by Feldo. We've interviewed him before. He's the creator of um, MLP forums and Pony, Pony Hoof as well. Actually, Pony Hoof was created by Ng Pang. He made his Hoof Sounds plugin, which connects to Brony radio stations. Now, if you have your music on YouTube, as long as you have a download link, you can go to the Everfree network and submit your song for play on their radio. Mm-hmm. That, that's a good way too. And you know what? Just keep doing what you're doing, and well, maybe you get noticed by anybody really. And once that's done, just Try and work with them and hope for the best. All right. So, James, anything you want to say about it before I answer? No, no. Go ahead. All right. So, um, basically, there's a few things you can do. First of all, I urge you strongly to go on over to this website, mylittleremix.com. It's a community full of brony musicians, and they have a specific thread. Even if you need some help, let's just say you're not very good in drum beats or you need someone to play you a guitar riff, go over there and um, just post up a thread. Say, hi, I need a bass riff for this rock sum I'm coming up with, and hopefully you get a response. I mean, can't guarantee it. But I think you will. It's a very bustling community. There are very big musicians there. There's, um, what's his name? Circuit Fry. There's Macon. There's Silverhound. They're all hanging around that website. And although it's a very EDM-centric site, they do a lot of other music as well. And you can even submit your music to future projects. I'm sure you heard of Balloon Party and um, maybe even My Little Remix Projects, Remix War, uh, Lesser Known, all of these other projects. So many of them are right there. You can go and check it out. Once again, it is on MyLittleRemix.com. And personally, actually, I don't mind collaborating with you because um, I'm looking to do it as well. So, yeah, you might want to get in touch with me. Um, you can just email me at daniel at com, and I'll see what I can work out. Plug. <laughs> uh, and James? Oh, wait, 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 wait. He's plugging it. I'm taking the bait. <laughs> uh, and James? Well, uh, music-wise, I have no idea because I'm not a music guy. I cannot give you advice on that. Advice on that. Uh, I can tell you, I can tell you one thing. This is... One of the anomalies of the fandom. You're going to notice this very, very quickly, alright? Usually, with any other fandom, the very popular people, very popular guys, they're a bunch of snobs. They're a bunch of inapproachable, impossible to talk to, full of themselves snobs. And the non, the, the nobodies, the people that nobody knows, they are the nice guys, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, in the Brony fandom, is the complete opposite. The well-known guys, they are super nice. They are super kind. They're always willing to help. They're always easy to talk to, easy to approach. No problem. I'm talking about not just the musicians, because uh, Mike the Microphone. Mike is an awesome guy. Wooden Toaster, awesome guy. Living Tombstone, really fun. Brinda Lulz, really fun guy. Too. Very, very fun to talk to. BAs, you have Je- uh, Jenny from Friendship is Witchcraft, really easy to talk to as well, as well as Griffin Lewis. You have the guys from Silly Philly Studios, they're also really easy to talk to. Uh, artists as well, and I go from Pixel Kitties to the already mentioned Little Miss J to John Joseco, Kevin Sano, all those guys, they're very easy to talk to. And the nobodies, the people that nobody knows, they are... That's not a word! That's the weird part. It's like, in this fandom, is swapped. So I can tell you, uh, uh, advice or a way to team up with someone in the fandom who does this kind of stuff, just talk to them. Just talk to them, Tell them your project. Tell them what you want to do. They are going to get back at you. Okay? They're going to, I mean, they're going to get back to you. 
They're going to reply you. And that depends on how good your project is. If they, if it tickles their fancy, they're going to work with you, no doubt. And it's going to be a very enjoyable experience, believe me. I have, uh, from a, an artist uh, point of view, I have worked with a few people that are somewhat known in the fandom, writing fanfics and such, and writing comics of those fanfics, so, uh, drawing comics of those fanfics. So I can tell you it's, un- it's a very enjoyable experience. So just talk to them. And that is a really good advice from James Cork and Dan Anthony. And as for me, I don't give good advice. I'm sorry, Sawyer. <laughs> Uh, anyway, moving on to the next question. And this next question comes from Five Iron Brony, host of Brony Time. Dearest MBS show crew, congratulations on 100 episodes. I was hoping you could help me with something. I'm sure you guys have the answer to this and that it won't take hardly any time at all. But who is Best Pony? Best wishes, Five Iron Brony from bronytime.com. Hey, this is going to start a feud war between us. No, 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 no. Let's control it. <laughs> so, James, uh, who's your favorite pony? Rarity. Of course, rarity is rarity is best pony. Come on, how can it not be? How can she not be the best? She's the best developed and best written character in the entire show. Come on. Okay, now. Honestly, if you ask me objectively, I think the best written character in the show is Rainbow Dash, but Rarity is definitely my favorite because I can empathize with her the most. Okay, okay. And then, it's your best pony, Pinkie Pie! Now, let's put it this way, okay? All the ponies in the show are written really, really well, and the show will only be complete if all of them are there, and I really love them all. Remember, it's called My Little Pony. If it was based after Best Pony, it'll be called My Little Pinky. You mean it, was, it will be called My Little Rarity? No, that's too many, that's too many syllables. <laughs> it doesn't need to have syllables. When you're the best, you can get away with anything. And it's still, no, 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 you can't, because it's MLR, it's MLP, it's still MLP that way, yeah. You know, you can't really change too much. Thanks, Five Iron, for the war. <laughs> and Norman, your turn. Uh, everybody knows my answer, and, well, if you guys answer Fluttershy, you are correct. But, my favorite pony is... Derpe! Yes, indeed. Uh, I just love the derps. She's my lucky charm. Without her, this show would not exist. <laughs> You didn't see that one coming, eh? Did you, fans? Oh, wait, 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 wait. Five Iron said, who's best pony? He didn't say it has to be limited to the show. Oh, God. You know, you know a particular alicorn that was made after Lauren Faust. Hmm. You know what? If that's the case, right, I would have to say Movie Slate. He's really cute. Love that me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now it's clear. Now it's clear to, it's clear to me. You want a free picture and you just don't know what to say about it. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, anyway, thanks, Five Iron, for the um, war starting question. <laughs> this ain't over, guys. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and moving on to the next question Darkest Night. Hello to all and everyone on the show. I have a question for you all. Who's your least favorite pony and why? Mine is Applejack. Applejack is nice and all, but she just fades into the background. Maybe she'll get better on this season, but for now, she's currently the worst pony out of the main six, in my opinion. P.S. Happy 100th episode. 
Good luck, guys. Seriously, keep it up. Your faithful listener, Darkest Night. I don't like to answer this question because nobody is worse. Everyone's best, except for Pinkie Pie. <laughs> for a second, I thought you were going to say my OC. Oh, yeah. Your, your OC is <laughs> terrible, man. Oh, oh God. Yeah. You, I take that back, Darkest. Yeah, there is a worse pony, and that is Dan's OC. My goodness. Ask James I about s- it. I- <laughs> I second the motion. His OC, I, is, his OC is so hateable. I don't want to draw that OC ever again. <laughs> oh, oh man, I wish I could draw. What? You can twist balloon animals out of it. Oh, God, no. But anyway, I, I'm going to hand it out to James first because James is the reviewer and he's an awesome guy to ask about this. And James, any opinion on this? Well, when it comes to choosing the one that I like the least... That was difficult for me before. Um, the thing this season, because I'm going to give you a definite answer, but before I didn't, I didn't hate any of the characters. Like, I, I had a time when I was very conflicted about the Flim Flam brothers, uh, because I was like, do I hate these guys? Do I, is like, is it a love hate relationship what I have with these guys? Or is it just hate, hate, hate? Then I realized they were enjoyably hateable in that they are the kind of villains that they like, that you like to hate, like the Emperor from Star Wars or, uh, anyone in 24 but now that season 4 is rolling out before I said that my least favorite pony was a strike from the cutie pox you know that one insufferable cult who gets the bowling cutie mark oh. who just walks away with bowling pins on his butt and I'm like congratulations your talent is knocking down pins oh wow you're going to build an, an entire career based on that aren't you <laughs> The ones that I am the most disappointed on, actually, it's Spitfire. Oh, really? No. Actually, yeah. Spitfire might be my least favorite character, and that would be like my uh, my kind of like serious answer. I like what the fandom does with her. But before but, the fans presented her as a jerk on DeviantArt, she was actually pretty nice. But then she became a jerk in the actual show as well. Exactly. I didn't like I didn't like Rainbow Falls in how she didn't care for Sorin, and she wanted to snitch Rainbow Dash away from the Ponyville team. She didn't have the punishment that she deserved. I mean, yeah, she had a character arc, but it was all resolved through gritted teeth and not very happy faces. It became really difficult for me to like Spitfire after that episode, and so she became my least favorite character. But that's like saying, that's, that's like saying, uh, I don't know, white it is my least favorite color. When mm. I have no problem with white whatsoever, mm. as I have no problem with any color in the color palette, I like all the colors. I have. I'm an artist, okay. I don't hate colors. I hate color combinations. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because sometimes, yeah, is is what follows the fashion. Is like you cannot put those colors together; they go horrible one with the other. If I have to say at least favorite character, that would be Speedfire, mm. because she is she has become an, an absolute jerk. Alrighty then, that is a better answer. And then, what about you? For me, okay, I'm not gonna say I, I dislike her because she's not a well. She's a very well written character, and she has a very good development attitude. But I just don't like Diamond Tiara. <laughs> uh, I was going with that too. She's, she's such a, a jerk. bully. Yeah. yeah boo. No bullies. Bullies bad. Boo. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, oh, she is so hateable. Like, mmm. No liking. Mm. Uh, j- just no. Ah, there, there's there's no definite answer for me to say which is the worst, but she is bad. Yep. Uh, so uh, anyway, anyway, let's move on to the next question. 
And the next question is from Calpine of EQD. Hey guys, I was told by Norman, that's me, that you all were looking for a question, and I have one for you all. Before ponies, did you all know each other, or was it thanks to ponies that you all became friends? Thanks and best of luck, Calpine. So, Dan? Well, I met Norman... Well, I pretty much drove by his house a couple of times on the way to Singapore. But uh, basically, we all met. I met Norman. I met James. All Charlie, Tasha, and uh, all of the people who have been on the MBS show, with the exception of Calvin Chu. I've known all of them since they since I became a brony, basically. Mm. And well, as for me, without this show, I would have never met them. And honestly speaking, I am appreciative of this show because. If I wasn't doing this show, I would have met James and I have... Well, Daniel is a different case. I would have known him, but we won't be friends. We'll just be acquaintances. How so? Facebook. Okay, right. I see. And James, what about you? Well, you see, when I was a little kid, I saw a rainbow crossing the sky in front of my house. And I knew that in that moment I had to become a fan of the show. No. It was it was weird. It was weird how we uh we ended up meeting up. And to be honest, I don't remember how it happened. I remember I, like it was yesterday. Seriously, it's 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 funny because I totally don't because I you know it happened. It, I didn't give it more importance. But then you guys kept calling me to come over and over and over and <laughs> yeah sure let's okay okay and then, and then it kept happening and one after the, and they're like hey why don't you become a regular of the show and i'm like sure all right so now i'm here yeah i think norman has both of us on speed dial and after like oh daniel's not free he just speed dials james like james you're free <laughs> that's not true james are you there oh no. so we're not so we're not on speed dial okay only for you then because you're local not for james not on your phone on skype no uh, on your phone oh, okay yeah i got your speed dial on my phone oh wow <laughs> your 3g your 3g service sucks you need to get you need to get better phone company that, that could be true but course, honestly james you don't remember i i remember it was like yesterday like i said before I sent out a tweet asking for guests on the show. You replied to that one on Twitter. And, well, it was interesting. So I kind of said, sure, if you want, um, let me know when you can do this and stuff. We tweeted about it and we exchanged Skype info. And then you were a guest on the show. After that, you seemed like an interesting guy. I invited you on some more and... Well, we, after that, it, we built a relationship and we had so much fun that I invited you on often and that was cool. And I think what broke the camel's back was you helping me with Duo Cartoonists, that special interview, because I was burnt out during that time and you were there to help me, man. Thanks a lot. You are very welcome. That was a very nice interview, I have to admit. I need to rewatch that. Yeah, and listen to the bad quality audio. Oh, God. I'm so ashamed of that one. And, well, that's how the NBA show was made. <laughs> Not really. But anyway, oh, God. James, you want to read this one? <laughs> sure. Ah, <laughs> uh, God damn it. <laughs> Kitsune Rizu writes, Hey, Norman. <laughs> Are you trying to send messages or what? <laughs> 
Sorry I took so long to get this out to you, but I have been busy and I've eaten on the ill side. Yeah, right, you're not fooling anyone. But hey, here is for the show. First of all, congrats on your 100, liar. The question I have for you personally is just a little bit of introspection. All right, we care so much about your introspection. I'm sure when you first started, you couldn't have envisioned getting this far, but I'm sure the road has been long with all its up and downs. Who's this guy, Karate Kid? Could you share with us some of the highlights and the down points of getting it from the start to where you are now? And what would you like to see for the show in the future? Oh, God. I just love... I can't... Just, I can't... Personally, I can't wait for you two to be on. And... <laughs> uh, I just can't wait for you two to be on. <laughs> I... I needed to give it back to him. He... He, he deserves it. Yes, indeedy. But anyway, what was the question? I'm sure. So, um, the ups and downs, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, like, uh, what would be the ups and downs of getting the show together? And how... Uh, and where do you want to get from where you are now? Hmm. Well, the ups and downs, I have to say the ups is building contacts, getting to know people and talking to interesting people. Like, oh boy, this is going to be a James Cork episode, isn't it? Like knowing James Cork and Daniel Anthony. Like, you guys are awesome. <laughs> All right, step out of the driver's seat. My turn. <laughs> I want to drive. Give me the wheel. <laughs> no, yeah, we can all drive. Oh God, no. But anyway, um... Getting to know people, getting to know you, Kitsu, and, well, just getting to know context, just talking to people, those are the ups. And downsides are, well, um, interviewers not being able to come on the show, um, not getting everyone on the show to have a quick banter, and, you know, one of those situations where it's a solo episode where I have to do it all alone, and usually those episodes are not entertaining because I have to talk alone and to interact with myself. And talking to myself is not fun. I can go nuts. But anyway, those are the ups and downs. And what about you, Dan? What are your ups and downs for the show? Oh, basically ups and downs. I Well, I always try to make it whenever I can and because I have totally... <laughs> internet in this house thanks to our internet service provider yay malaysia and um sometimes that can be a little bit of a problem when it comes to the show but otherwise it's been it's been a really really great journey all these episodes especially being able to see the hundredth come to life it's amazing you have to take into account norman that podcasts don't usually last this long okay mm. they don't no believe me they don't i have be, i have been I have been a furry since 2005. No, since 2001. And I have seen endless podcasts just disappearing from the face of the earth to never come back. The Brony fandom has had a lot less podcasts that went the way of the Dodo, okay? <laughs> and it's unbelievable that the, one, of, uh, one of them is this one. And it's brilliant as well. It, it's awesome that we reached the episode 100 and uh, we, we reached it with a very good run having such a cool guest to celebrate it and everything. So oh, yes. It's fantastic. Well, now that you say things that way, I, I feel special. Oh, my. But seriously, oh, wow. Uh, 100 episodes. I, I can't believe it. Wow. <laughs> oh, boys. And James, no up and down for you? To be honest, I haven't suffered any up and down when I was doing this show. Uh, it was all easy going for me. All I do is sit down and talk. 
you have the difficult part in that you are the one who has to edit and you are one you are the one who has to book the 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 guests and coming up with people to uh to come into the show you are the one who does the hard work i am just here sitting and doing nothing so for me there are no downs there are only ups i feel uh humbled and privileged to be part of this mostly sweetie but does all the work but <laughs> thanks a lot it's I don't know what to say. I don't take compliments well. <laughs> But, yeah, it's an honor talking to you guys. It's one of those by chance things that if we're not in this fandom, we will never met. Oh, yeah. Roads cross because of ponies. Indeed. And that's funny. <laughs> and, James, what's the last bit? I'm going to read it because this deserves to be read. <laughs> this doesn't deserve to be forgotten. So, Kitsuna Risu says, I have another question for your co-host, James Cork. My question is, uh, uh, for him is a bit simpler. Say a crazy maniac, probably me, kidnaps him and threatens his life, but he gives him one single concession. If he can give a proper response without any trickery to the following request, he will let him go. There is no chance of escape on the, in this scenario, and there is no way out safe answering properly. Of course, he may choose death, but, mm. well, <laughs> this is his burden to bear. The concession is very simple. In exchange for his life, he has to give the maniac six reasons to why Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> is superior to Rarity. What are those six reasons? <laughs> I'm going to... I'm going to. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to. Okay. First of all, he has more good video games than she does. <laughs> That is true. Rarity appeared in like two video games from what I know. Not counting the mod for Borderlands 2 and the mods for Skyrim. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the My Little Pony app on Android and iPhone sucks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. It's fun and everything, but it's a grind hole that can end up sucking all your money. That's mm -hmm. not fine. And uh, the Game Ponies uh, platformer, that one is more shallow than a cave. Okay? <laughs> no. Bad games. However, Sonic at least has Sonic CD, Sonic, Sonic the, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and Sonic the Hedgehog 3. Uh, Sonic and Knuckles, okay? Mm -hmm. There you go. Okay, that is one reason. Reason number two. <laughs> okay, Sonic the Hedgehog was voiced by Jalil White, and I love, uh, I love Jalil White. I thought he was he was really funny in Family Matters. I mean, Steve Urkel is impossible to get, to 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 improve. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right, there's one. Uh, we have two reasons. Wow. Oh, this is hard for you, ain't it? <laughs> I have another reason, I have another reason. Sonic the Hedgehog was considered to be a video game that was... Uh, it was supposed to be a tech demo for Sega to showcase what the Sega Genesis was capable of doing. So, if it wasn't for that, the 16-bits uh, would have started a lot later with the Super Nintendo in 1992, I think it was. Um, thanks to Sonic the Hedgehog, they started in 1989. And they gave way for uh, for uh, for a different way of graphic processing, whatever. I don't know. Okay, as Sonic Unleashed gave us a very interesting blog in uh, Twilight Unbound, which mm -hmm. is uh, 
a reinterpretation of Sonic Unleashed, but with MLP characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's four. Mm-hmm. This is hard for you, ain't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, Sonic, uh, Sonic Sat AM was a really good TV show that taught children ecology and environmental consciousness way before all that bullcrap from uh, Greenpeace and everything showed up. So it had a it had a very good message, and it was also very epic, very grim, dark, very very fun to watch. Um, yeah, okay, last one. And I may like all of the rarity songs in My Little Pony, but the the Sonic Boom song is always fun to boot from uh, from the American soundtrack of Sonic CD. Oh yeah, that, that's an awesome song. That is an awesome song. So, uh, have your six reasons. Okay, now let me tell you the six million reasons why Sonic <laughs> is such a horrible character. <laughs> and well, Kitsu, that was your six reasons why Sonic is superior than Rarity. And I'm sure James would like to blur out all those 6,000 reasons why Rarity is much more better than Sonic. <laughs> um, no, no, no. Six million reasons. Oh my goodness. <laughs> But anyway, thanks for the question, you guys. Thanks a lot for sending them in and making this show really entertaining and funny. Thanks a lot, you all. Well, um, I have a question for you all then. Well, for James and Daniel, at least. Okay. So what do you have to say to the fans that are listening to this right now? All right. If you've been with us since the very beginning, then... It's great to have you with us because remember, it is you guys who, you know, give us the inspiration to do this because, you know, we talk to you all and uh, if you're in Malaysia and, you you know, we say we represent you all, we really take that into consideration because, you know, the MBS show, we really like to stand for where we are and where we're from. And if you're just joining us for the first time this time, you know, welcome aboard. It's great to have you with us. And... Yeah, you can find us over at TheMBSShow.com, listen to our back episodes and all that. And yeah, if you've got anything to ask us, just throw us an email. We don't bite. What are you guys doing here? You should be studying science or something. Do something <laughs> useful with your life. Stop listening to us. God, get out. Uh, boys. No, 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 no. Nobody's going to leave because they know what's coming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> pro tip, pro tip. You can study while listening. True, true that. But no, um... And as for me, please do listen to us and send us emails. We, we we do need the emails. And you know what? Sometimes it's fun when you listen to us. But you know what's even more fun? Hanging out with us. And this may sound like a plug-in, but it is. Um, go follow Movie Slate at movieslate.tumblr.com. James always retweets stuff and he retweets the live stream. And I'm most of the time there in the live stream, hanging out with James, talking about ponies, talking about life, movies, and whatever. And if you would like to hear us banter back and forth, join in the live stream with James and me and whoever he can find on his stream. It's all fun and games, seriously. I feel so good when you whore myself out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh uh, yeah, keep doing it, keep doing it. Uh, yeah, you know how I like it. <laughs> like I said before, this is going to be a James Cork episode. <laughs> uh, but anyway, our guest for this week is a four-time Emmy-nominated winner with works such as The Powerpuff Girls, Dexter's Laboratory, My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, and many more. I am proud to bring you Amy Kitty Rogers. Hello, everyone. Hello there, Amy. 
Hello. It's very nice to be here. Thank you for having me on your 100th episode. It's a, it's an honor. Oh, no. Thank you for coming. That is true. Thank, thank you for coming and making this episode awesome and memorable. Yeah, it's no a problem. mutual honor. <laughs> That's, uh, it's always good to be a mutual honor. Mm-hmm. So, Amy, how was your day? So far, it's good. It's only nine in the morning where I am. I had to get up early and jump in and be ready to live tweet during Pinky Pride, oh. um, which was on at 7.30 my time. So, you know, and everybody was tweeting such nice things. So my day's going really well, I have to say. I have a question first. Like, is this your first time doing live tweeting after the episode? You know, we've been doing it all during season four. Oh. And I've been joining in, you know, even though they weren't my episodes, I had to read all of the episodes of season four for the Journal of the Two Sisters that I wrote. Ooh. I don't know if you guys heard about that, but... Um, yes, we have. Yeah, we saw okay. the pictures so, you know, that were released uh, a couple of days ago. Technically, it's in the news time, and I am excited to buy it. I'm so excited for you guys to read it, because I worked really hard on it, and I think you're really going to like it a lot. But as part as the Journal of Friendship part of it, when the main six are putting in journal entries, because of that, I had to read all of the episodes of, of season four. And, you know, I'd, I'd written three, so I didn't have to read my own. <laughs> um, but I went through and read the rest of them. And then I had to write these journal entries. So I felt a connection to these episodes, even though I didn't write all these other episodes. And I thought, oh, this live tweeting just sounds fun. And I knew I was going to have to, not have to, I was knew I was going to do it when my episode came up. So I thought I would join in on the other ones and kind of say things where I could. And also I got to drop hints about the journal coming out mm. when I was live tweeting. I am very excited for that journal. I just can't wait to buy it. So am I. The way it looks, exterior and all, it looks very similar to the Elements of Harmony guide that came out right. uh, before, but this one is kind of like more of an insightful. It's kind of like a... It, it feels like a side novel, almost. They're making it in the same style as the Elements of Harmony book, obviously, but different in that it is the Journal of the Two Sisters is the journal entries of Celestia and Luna. And mm. so you're going to learn a lot of back history of those two. Um, and then the Journal of Friendship is obviously our ponies, but you get more than what you've heard in the episodes. Like, for instance, in, in Pinky Pride, you don't even hear what Pinky's writing. Something. Oh, that's going to be interesting. Oh, that is brilliant. <laughs> oh, wow. Now Time. I cannot wait to read that. Oh, my God. That is so good. I think I'm going to put season four on hold till I get the book that I'm going to have it next to me when I watch the rest of the season. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not being released, you know, till after season four is done because the ponies talk about things that are happening in there. Spoilers. Yeah, major spoilers. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. Oh, boy. It has like a 15th of October release date, I think. So, no, uh... no, June 10th. Oh, my God, it's even closer. That's awesome. Yeah, June 10th. I do like the description for the book. The last part of it is a blank section for fans to write their own journal entry. Yeah, isn't that cool? That is so much fun. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. I think I'm going to just take my pen out. Dear Princess Celestia, wait. <laughs> I got that wrong. <laughs> but, but anyway, but anyway, before we officially start the show, uh, we need to ask you the four important questions. And question number mm-hmm. one is, who is your favorite character? Um, my favorite character to write for is Pinkie Pie, mm-hmm. as you could probably tell from this episode. I like 
all the ponies very much as ponies, but riding Pinky for me is a lot of fun. I have to say, you completely uh, nail her character. You're, you're, you're the best writer when it comes to Pinkie Pie. Thank you. I appreciate that. And a follow-up question is, what's your favorite episode? In general, it doesn't have to be yours, but if it's yours, that's awesome. <laughs> I'd have to say that my favorite one is A Friend Indeed also. As we were saying, you know, before we got started, the, the smile song I'm really, really proud of. Um, I really like the interaction between Pinky and Cranky. And then I got to write, you know, little small songs within that episode. And, and I, I know with Pinky Pride, I wrote a bunch of songs as well. That was the first time I got to do that with the Friend Indeed. I'm very proud of that one. It's very interesting that one of the happiest episodes in the entire series also seems to have the most depressing character. And that's really something. <laughs> yeah, but he's, you know, in comparison to Pinky. Yeah, it's like two different worlds, but yet still so happy. Mm-hmm. I had this interview with Osaka Jack. He asked us, if you were to show an episode to someone, what episode would it be? I said Sonic Green Moon because it was full of action. Osaka replied to me, was a friend indeed. And he described this situation where he showed this to one of his students and that student actually cried because of that episode. It made her happy. Oh, wow. That's very amazing. And I have to say, that episode is very powerful. That episode, that episode speaks to a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. the, 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 the themes that it, that it touches upon, like reconnecting with someone that you think you have, uh, you, you are never going to see ever again. That, I think that, mm-hmm. that, that has happened to, to some of us. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's a tough question because when my family asks me about the show and, and I go, oh, well, let me show you an episode. I have a hard time deciding which episode to show them because I always want all of the ponies to be represented. And so I try and think of an ep- episode that would involve all of them so you could find out all their personalities. But, you know, that's maybe not necessarily the best choice. I know lots of people show the first Discord episode <laughs> to to boys, that that's the way to get young boys into the show, um, <laughs> which I thought was interesting. <laughs> so anyhow, you know, I don't know. It, it's a very good question, and I don't know. I think it would just probably depend on my mood of which one I felt was going to be at that particular moment. It also it also helps knowing the person. Like for example, when I tried to get my mom into into the show, I showed her Read It, Read it and Weep because her favorite movie of all time is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay. And she really liked the episode. She really liked it. So uh, it, 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 you also have to take into account the, the, the personality of the, of the person you want to get into the show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, since you know that about your mom, that makes sense. Now that we have Pinky Pride, if you had somebody who's a big fan of Weird Al, you would go, oh, well, I'm going to show that, the episode. This is definitely going to net us a few more fans because, I mean, Weird Al Jankovic is such a uh, awesome popular guy. guy. <laughs> yeah, and awesome. Mm-hmm. I mentioned before on this show that the best episodes, in my opinion, are those that have made me feel uncomfortable because, you know, they reach out to a part of you that somehow you didn't realize you have until you've seen it on the show. And I have to say that your episodes are the type that will give me that feeling and then I realize, oh, there's something I may have not done in my life that I need to look at right now. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I have quite a power then. Oh, yes, I'm sure you do. (laughs) 
Anyway, um, we have two more questions left, so let's try and get these four important questions out. How did you get involved in the show? I got involved in the show because I had worked with Lauren Faust before on Powerpuff Girls and Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. So she and I were friends, and I was actually at the rap party at Foster's, so that's when you finish up a show, you have a final big party. And I was there, and I wasn't working on Foster's at that time, so this is the first time I'd seen Lauren in a bit. And so she and I were chatting, and she said, I recently pitched this version of My Little Pony to Hasbro, and I'm waiting waiting to find out if they're going to pick it up. And if they do, I'd like you to write on it. And I said, yeah. Hmm, that is cool. That is cool. And the last one is, what do you like about the Brony fandom? I like how positive you guys all are and how you help each other out. And I, I know there's sometimes bickering within the community, which I guess it's one of those things where any family has its problems. But then with this young boy who just unfortunately was bullied and tried to commit suicide, all the bronies immediately came together and are doing donations and are doing a live stream starting later today. And that impresses me so much that you all are just generous people. And I've met so many bronies at the conventions. I'm amazed at everyone's kindness. So that's that's really what it is to me. We are a special breed of fans. I think the show influenced us in a way that we do this. Mm-hmm. Well, you take the lessons to heart. You put them in action. I'm not saying that you put them in action in every moment of every day. I mean, everybody can't be perfect, but I think the show says that you don't have to be perfect, that everybody has lessons to learn. And with Michael and this situation, everybody immediately jumped into action. And currently we are going live on James's Cox stream and there's a link there for Michael's um, fundraising. So go there, click it and please donate. He really needs our support. <laughs> and remember that if you cannot donate any money, you can always send uh, messages of support to his family on the email that is available as well on that website. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Thank you, Amy, for answering the four important questions. And now, let's move on to the next topic. Okay. And the next topic is guest time. And in today's guest time, we have Amy Keating Rogers, writer for the show, an awesome person. And I'm so excited. Ah. <laughs> so, Amy, mind introducing yourself to the people who might not know who you are and what you do? Sure. I'm Amy Keating Rogers, and I write for animated series, and currently I am writing for My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. Mm, that's awesome. I have to say this. You wrote part of my childhood, like Johnny Bravo, <laughs> Dexter's Lab. I, I've watched them on TV, and me and my sister love them. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, it was so funny. Yesterday, I went and spoke to my daughter's drama class. And as I was going through, you know, the shows that I've worked on, you know, I said, Powerpuff Girls, uh, Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, you know, just everybody was flipping out. Um, So that was, it was very fun to, you know, to people just, you know, bugging out about that. It as as it happens when um uh, when we started becoming fans of the show and we started noticing the the writers' names, when we checked. Uh, when, personally, when I checked your name and I saw your IMDb page, 
I was having nostalgia whiplash one after the other. Like, oh my god, she wrote, she, she wrote Dexter's Lab. I watched Dexter's Lab when I was like 12 years old. Ah! One after the other after the other. I'm like, oh my god, she did wrote my childhood. So it's, it's totally true. It's very cool. I don't think about you guys being young when those shows were out, but of course you were. And so it's a very cool thing. And if I'm not mistaken, recently you've done Ben 10 Omniverse? I wrote, yeah, I wrote one script of uh, Ben 10 Omniverse. Um, Charlotte Fullerton, who you guys know from the show, mm-hmm. asked me to come and write on it. And I was very flattered she did. And it was a real blast. Because I've seen a few episodes of Ben 10 here and there, the Omniverse series. And I have to say, mm-hmm. it's good. It's really good. It is really good. Yeah. Omniverse is a really, it's really fun. It's, it's got the action, but it also has humor to it. And it's, yeah, it's got a really fun vibe to it, which I'm not surprised because, you know, Charlotte's one of the story editors and she's hilarious. You don't usually see much of a sense of humor in the, you know, the shows for the younger generations these days, actually. Most of the other ones, some of them are pretty bland, actually. Yes, yeah, some. Mm-hmm. I mean, the ones locally available over here. No bad morphing local shows, Daniel, because if we don't support our own local shows, who will? <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, Amy, uh, my first question to you is, how did you get started in writing? Pretty accidentally. I actually always wanted to be an actor, and that's what I thought I was going to be the whole time I was growing up. In high school, I acted in plays, and then I went to college, and I majored in theater. And then I went to graduate school and got my MFA in acting. So my life plan was to act. During my senior year at Occidental College, I needed another course to kind of complete my major. And so I decided to take playwriting because I kind of run out of any other classes that I was interested in. And I was going to drop it because I didn't think I was going to be good at it. But my teacher wouldn't let me. He said, you're going to be a good playwright. And turns out he was right. I just had a natural ear for dialogue and I loved it. So I started writing plays. My first play was produced in the New Play Festival at Occidental. And then I went, like I said, to graduate school. I went to CalArts, and I was acting there. And they um, also had some playwriting classes on the side. So I I took those classes. I also did some summer playwriting classes. And then at CalArts, four of my plays were produced at CalArts in their New Play Festival. And then I graduated, and I was an actor in a theater company, and I was trying to get commercial work. But that's a really hard road. Um, And all the while, I was still writing plays. And as an actor, you end up doing odd jobs. And one of my friends worked at Hanna-Barbera Cartoons, and she got me a job as a production assistant on Johnny Bravo. And then when that job was done, I moved on to the Powerpuff Girls. And when I was a production assistant on the Powerpuff Girls, I also had a play of mine being produced in Hollywood. So everybody on the crew knew that I was a writer because I'd put posters up and stuff and said, please come to my play. Um, And they needed help with the writing on Powerpuff Girls. And so I said, hey, will you give me a chance? I went up to Craig McCracken and asked him. And he said, yeah, I was actually just going to ask you if you wanted to try and write for the show. And so that's how I ended up writing for Powerpuff Girls. And once I was writing for Powerpuff Girls, um, I became head writer of the show by the end of that year. And then I just got passed along from show to show at Cartoon Network. Hmm. That's fascinating. You just asked Craig McCracken saying that, oh, I want to write for the show. He said yes. And (laughs) 
And look where he led you. Yeah. Oh, well, he's a very sweet guy. And um, fortunately, you know, he liked how I wrote and it fit with the style of the show. And it just kind of went on from there. Yeah, I can totally imagine you. You remember that old Cartoon Network advertisement where this this dude sitting in front of this huge panel of monitors and all the cartoons are going on there. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's Amy. <laughs> okay, so um, basically I just noticed, wow, you churn out a lot of scripts. So mm-hmm. you've got to have some inspiration, I guess. I mean, most writers always talk about having their inspiration. So what's your inspiration for writing? The great thing about writing for shows is that on Powerpuff, Dexter, Samurai Jack, we would all get into a story room together and what we called spitball ideas. So, you know, it wasn't just me having to drum up things on on my own. You know, with Powerpuff, I went through old comic books to try and get inspiration. With Powerpuff, we were able to draw on, you know, kid experiences and what's relatable to kids. With any show, you really look at the characters and say, okay, what what would this character be dealing with? And I've fortunately worked on really good character-driven shows, so it's good to kind of put yourself into that world and try and come up with story ideas. First, it starts out with a room of people, speedballing ideas, and you get an episode. That is cool. Mm-hmm. When we have pony meetings, um, we're asked to come in with, you know, some nuggets of ideas and then we throw them up on a board and discuss, okay, which ones seem to stick? Which ones do we think are going to make really strong episodes? And those are the ones we expand upon. I'm pretty sure that when uh, speedballing all those different ideas, uh, a lot of pop culture reference ideas uh, come in and uh, they, they either take them or not. Uh, but what, for example, what is your limit when it comes to put uh, pop culture references uh, like uh, the Diamond Dogs, the James Bond parody in the cake episode or a uh, Rarity Cinderella moment uh, when to put them in the show? Uh, what makes you go, uh, no, this is too much. I'm not going to put this in the script. I think it has to do with how much they're kind of embedded in, in like with James Bond. I mean, James Bond's been around for a long time. So the kids might not get that, but all the adults watching it will. Cinderella, the, you know, the crushing of the glass slipper. That was just a really fun little thing that every, everyone was going to get that. I think it just has to do with, does it make us laugh or does it make it go, Ugh, where you're grossed out by the fact that you would put that in there? And, and that's the line is, is it funny or is it, does it make you, your, your skin crawl and make you go, okay, that's not appropriate for our show. And, you know, different shows do different things. So it's a matter of what kind of a show you're writing. Of course, keep it consistent within the universe and, and also that it makes sense within the tone of the show. Right. And I mean, the Diamond Dogs, you know, a David Bowie song is a little bit obscure, depending on whether you were into Bowie or not, as long as it also doesn't detract from the show. You don't want to be pulled so far out of the show that it doesn't seem true. Mm-hmm. And it also that all these references are very, like, timeless, because James Bond, it's been going forever, and like it, exactly. it always will. Uh, same with Cinderella, and uh, like you said, this David Bowie song, the, the Diamond Dogs, that it, it's also going to be kind of timeless. Right, and that's one of the things as well. I don't think we're going to be making Justin Bieber jokes in <laughs> My Little Pony. <laughs> that's where you go, right? Oh, yeah. You heard it on this show, folks. There is no Justin Bieber jokes on My Little Pony. Well, as far as I know, not in my okay? Not I don't in know Amy's if- episodes. Not in Amy's Oh, that's so good. That's good. That's good to know. Maybe somebody else has Bieber, I don't know. 
So, <laughs> uh, since you mentioned you write quite a bit, um, one other thing that I face, you know, I also do a bit of writing on the side. We all face writer's block. So, could you share with mm-hmm. us maybe any tips or tricks you have for dealing with it? I don't know. It's so tricky because I work from home, so there are so many ways I can distract myself if I don't want to do my writing. And often I'll just, you know, I'll be writing and I'll get stuck, and then I decide, oh, it's a perfect time to put the laundry in the dryer. The thing for me is I often have deadlines, so that's the biggest thing to kind of kick you in the butt to get moving on a script. Is if I don't get this turned in on time, people get mad at me and I don't get paid. So those are certainly motivating factors. And because I have kids, I have these kind of limited amounts of time to write, so I have to take advantage of those. Just the other day, I'm writing a book of my own that's completely, you know, not animation related or anything like that. And I'd, I'd been procrastinating on it. And I was like, oh, because I'd, I'd, I'd written scripts for other things. So that kind of, I'd done a bunch of writing on my book, but then I got paid assignments. So I got taken away from my book. And then kind of getting back into the book was, was challenging because my brain wasn't there anymore. But then it was Thursday. I couldn't sleep Thursday night because I had so many thoughts about the book. And I was like, okay, forget it. As soon as my kids are gone, I'm sitting down and I'm writing. And I just did it. And what was so funny is that's when the Journal of the Two Sisters cover came out. And so I was, you know, getting all these tweets about it. And so I would check that. And then I would go back and write some more and I'd check it, you know. So sometimes I get distracted. I, I, I didn't expect that to happen that day. But it was kind of a good distraction when I did hit kind of an end of a paragraph and I needed a little break. So I don't know that I have suggestions on how to deal with writer's block. I, I think it's uh, Stephen King said something that, you know, somebody asked, you know, how do you how, how have you written so many books? And he said something like, you know, your butt has to be in the chair. <laughs> and so okay. It's, okay. And it's true. So it's like, okay, well, I'll put my butt in the chair and hopefully I'll get to work. So, Amy, uh, you said you were writing a book. Um, could you tell us the premise of the book? It's an idea I had a long time ago, basing uh, kind of the relationship of my daughter and my son. My daughter is uh, three years older than my son, and my son Soren is severely disabled. So I had this idea just a long time ago about, you know, what is that relationship and who does this girl become having a brother with a disability? And I kind of got stuck and, and didn't do any work on it because I thought about it so many years ago. I didn't really know what what my kid's relationship really was. It was just beginning. It was um, Soren and Moira were, were both so young, but now my daughter is 13 and my son is 10. And I know how protective she is of him. So it's a lot of that in there. And then my son is nonverbal. I've met these other boys that Soren has been in a social skills group with who are able to use iPads to communicate. And, you know, they can touch words and make sentences. And I thought it would be interesting to make the character have that ability, even though Soren doesn't have that ability. It kind of opened up the brother character where he could communicate somewhat with his sister. And just kind of things began fitting into place of what this story was going to be about. But the core of it is this relationship between the siblings. So it's nonfiction in a sense? It's a combination of both. It's it's a fictionalized version of this relationship. But there are very true moments in there and true things that have happened are in there. Oh, I look forward to reading it. I personally can't wait to get the book and read it. 
That sounds like a good read. I hope so. I mean, first I have to write it, and then I have to find something to publish it. So. I'll definitely yeah. buy it. Yep, yep. Yeah. Very cool. Post it online. We'll buy it. Even if they don't take it to Spain, I, I will totally read it. No problem with that. Just okay. go to Amazon. I'm going to buy a copy. Count on it. I, I'm buying uh, Mitch Larson's book, that the one that he's he's about to publish. I, know. Gonna, I have to buy it too. Yeah, I'm totally buying it. His book sounds like a really good concept. Um, princess in mm-hmm. boot camp. That, that's so much fun. I'm excited. He's been talking about it for a while, so I'm excited to finally get to read it. So, um, Amy, my question to you is, when working with Cartoon Network, Nickelodeon, and Hasbro, were there any differences in your writing style? There are differences in my writing style depending on what show I'm writing for, not necessarily what studio I'm writing for. When I wrote outlines for Powerpuff, Dexters, and Samurai Jack, those outlines, they had a different feeling, each one of them, because Powerpuff Girls is a very different show than Dexter's Lab, and both of those are very different from Samurai Jack. And so I tailored all of my outlines according to the show. Depending on what show you work on, different story editors and the executives and everything, they like outlines uh, formatted differently. Like with Powerpuff Girls, well, it was only in 11 minutes, so it was just really telling a whole, just paragraph by paragraph telling a story. With a 22-minute show, like on Fosters or MLP, you break it into the three acts because you have so much story that you're telling. And then sometimes shows actually want you to break it down into kind of structuring it a bit like a script, saying, you know, interior, sugar cube corner, um, exterior, you know, breaking it down and telling the story so that the folks who are making the cartoon can start going, okay, we have this many scenes in this episode and kind of helps them prepare for the storyboarding process if they know how many locations you're planning on. So it's really show to show and figuring out that. Um, like I'm writing for a show called Paw Patrol right now, which is a preschool show. And I would just read how the previous writers had written and put my version of that because I want the story editor to not have to rewrite my stuff. So you just try and go with the flow of what that show is. Hmm. Okay. How much do you let your work and experiences on other TV shows uh, influence your work on uh, My Little Pony? From when I began writing for animation to now, I've just become a stronger writer. It's been a lot of years, and so you get more confident and you get better at it. It's just kind of a growth thing as far as that goes. I story edited the first season of Care Bears, and then when I came back to Pony, I had a lot of appreciation for how that whole process goes, for what Megan was doing, because I had just been doing it for another show. It's just appreciating the hard work that everybody does. It's not until you put yourself into the position of someone else that you appreciate how how hard they have to work. Exactly, Yeah. yeah. And you know how busy that person is because you know how busy you were doing that same thing. So it helps give you perspective. Yeah, because she actually has, she has to like oversee every one of the scripts. Right. That's a, it's a big job. It's it's a lot of work because you're juggling. You know, somebody might be writing an outline and turn that in, and then you have, but you also have a script that just came in, and so you have to read and give notes on those. But oh, but you might have a story meeting later that week. And so it's a lot of, you know, it's a big job. And doing it on Care Bears, which was a scripted show, it really puts things in perspective. I'm really happy to hear that you were working on Care Bears as well, because I really, really loved Care Bears as I was growing up. And now I think I see the connection. Oh, good. 
So, yeah, it looks like ponies are serious business. And um, you said much about the story meeting, and I'm really, really curious about it. Like, what are the usual guidelines when writing a script? You know, does, does Hasbro give you an episode structure you can build on or maybe a character or a moral lesson to work on and you build around it or something like that? Or are you just told to work from scratch from almost ground zero? We pretty much work from scratch. I mean, we all know now what Lauren and Rob set up, how episodes work. And, you know, Lauren had all of that going on there. And so the whole structure of the teaser and then continuing act one, two, three, you know, that's, I'm not sure who came up with that. I'm guessing it was Lauren. That makes the most sense to me. I mean, really, it's coming up with a good story and coming up with what characters are going to fit in this story the best. And then hopefully organically, you figure out what the moral of that story is. And then, you know, you have to make sure you're not overlapping morals, you're not repeating morals. And we certainly get input from the studios, like the cheese sandwich, um, that whole the Pinkie Pride, the, the whole episode idea came from uh, Jason Thiessen. He really wanted to work with Weird Al Yankovic, and he had this idea. And so he said, hey, you guys, I think this would be a good musical idea. And so Megan and I ran with that and figured out the story. And, you know, when we were writing season four, you know, everybody knew these characters well enough that everybody can contribute. In earlier seasons, Lauren had come up with a bunch of initial ideas, and then we would also have brainstorming meetings. About midway through season one, we had a meeting where all the writers came in, and we talked about where we were going to take the rest of the season. And then before um, season two, there was the writer's summit where people came in with ideas. And that happens before each season. And then, you know, you go through, like I said, with those stories, when they're put up on a board, you can go through and say, okay, which ones of these are we going to be able to tell a story that has a good lesson in there and which ones don't fit in? And those are the ones you throw away. I'm actually really surprised at that because I always thought you all worked backwards from the moral lesson. No. Nope. <laughs> that's, that's what we're taught to do over here, you know, because in uh, high school, usually there's an assignment and an essay. Oh, write, a, write an essay and the moral lesson has to be this. So we're all used to building from the moral lessons. Interesting. Yeah, I don't think we... I mean, you know, with Zakora, you knew that the message is don't judge a book by its cover. But the moral lesson for, let's say, a friend indeed. I, I think we were going, okay, what is the moral lesson of this? Uh, well, you can't be friends with everybody. Like, you know, and how to make that not seem sad. I, guess. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think this um, was in season two where Mitch Larson wrote um, Super Squeezy Size 6000. Right, and there was no lesson. She, she knew it to, from the beginning, right? Yeah. Yeah, so there's a prime example. They didn't go into that story meeting knowing what the lesson was. And they fi- figured out the story. And I remember Mitch talking about this on a panel. And he was sent off to write it. And they said, well, you know, try and figure out um, a lesson. You know, maybe it'll come to you when you when you're writing it. And then Mitch got to the end. He's like, nope. <laughs> and he said, I, you know, Applejack knew it right along. And he said, and he wrote it and he sent it hoping that they would think that was funny because, because, and that the only reason that one worked is because every other episode before that had a good moral lesson. And so you could make a joke that Applejack hadn't learned anything. So, you know, <laughs> oh, okay. you, you, you couldn't have done that as the third episode in this, in the series that, oh, we don't know, you know, it couldn't have happened until we had a lot of established stuff. <laughs> Believe it. It was funny enough that it spawned so many t-shirts and so many memes that right. people don't okay. forget it. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> but actually, um, true that, that there was a lesson. It was just a you know a redundant one in a way. Right. She already knew it. There was a lesson. It just she didn't learn. She didn't learn something new. And that's so Applejack. Yeah. <laughs> I love. So, uh, you, you have worked in, uh, in seasons one and two with, uh, Robin Seri as a story editor. Mm-hmm. And in season four, you work with, uh, Megan McCarthy, uh, as mm-hmm. a story editor. Now, Robin Seri did a great job and Megan is doing a great job as well. They are both really good, but what's the difference between, uh, working with Rob, uh, than is that working with Megan? They're just two different people, um, but <laughs> otherwise, um, and with Rob, uh, we, in the meetings, we also always had Lauren in the meetings with Rob, and they worked really well as a team. And now when you have story meetings, the way it works is we have Megan, another writer, and, you know, and then myself. So it's nice to have three in a room because three people, you know, can bounce off well off each other. If you have just two, it's not impossible, but that third person can often bring up uh, points that, you know, the other two might only be thinking one direction and the third person can kind of go, yeah, but, and it helps with that. But they're both awesome story editors. I've known, I, I worked with Rob on Powerpuff Girls and then I wrote um, an outline for Teenage Robot and he's a really terrific guy. And then Megan's incredibly awesome and she's just a fun gal to hang out with and, <laughs> and figure out stories. I mean, I can't complain either way because they're both so awesome. You, you get to go in and talk about ponies and hang out with your friends. So that's not bad. That is that is basically the best part of all is that you said it before, it's like you're having fun with it and that that shows in the scripts. It's like, oh, they sure had a lot of fun when writing this part of the episode. Like it feels it could it feels in the in the writing. Getting to sit around and joke and when we were trying to figure out what Cranky Donkey's middle name was, Lauren and Rob and I were in that meeting together and he just suddenly went doodle. And I was like Oh, it was so brilliant. I wish I had thought of it. And that's what's fun when you're working with people that you wish you had their thoughts. That's really fun. And then I remember I was in the meeting with uh, Megan, and I think it was a bunch of writers, actually. I'm trying to remember who was in the meeting, but with uh, the Fruit Bats. The Fruit Bats story was actually originally supposed to be a musical, and so I was the one taking you know notes on that one. And when they said that they would have to round up the Fruit Bats, and Megan started singing... Fruit Bat Roundup, Fruit Bat Roundup. <laughs> that was, you know, just a fun thing, you know, and I wrote that in there. So, of course, is in the episode. I didn't write that episode, but I wrote the first uh, outline for it, and then it got changed into um, a non-musical, and, and then I moved on to Pinkie Pride. So, um, and it's funny enough because the Fruit Bat Roundup was sung by Pinkie Pie. So, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> everything makes sense. <laughs> uh, so, um, your newest episode, uh, uh, Pinky Pride, had none other than Weird Old Jankovic voicing one of the characters. Now, the fandom has always wanted to see him in the show ever since 2011. Uh, how did you react when uh, you heard Weird Al's uh, speak the lines that you wrote? And also, uh, how does it feel to write songs for probably the best parody singer in the world? It was incredibly fun. I actually didn't hear Weird Al's speaking them until the promos. So when the promos came out is when I first heard Weird Al saying his lines. And I was so excited because I knew he was going to do a great job. And then writing the songs, you know, I wrote the songs the way I would for any character. I didn't think, oh, Weird Al is going to 
be singing this. So I thought, okay, Cheese Sandwich is singing this. So, and then Weird Al is going to, you know, perform and make it amazing. That was kind of more of the thought that I had. We all have to agree that he did an amazing job doing doing the voice for yeah. for Cheese Sandwich. When did you wrote the script for Pinky Pride? I finished it around uh, the end of August, beginning of September of uh, 2013. Mm. Wait, 2013? No, 2012. Sorry. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, 2012. 2012. Oh, I, well, I tweeted something about 2013. Oh, I better correct that. <laughs> that's how. That's how messed up my brain is. I, I lost a year. Uh-oh. Yeah, because I remember being at, yeah, it was 2012. Gosh, it was so long ago. Uh, <laughs> it literally takes a year to finish an episode of this show. That's how yeah. much work and effort goes into it. Yeah, exactly. So uh, you mentioned before how uh, in your meetings you take ideas and you just uh, put them together and see which ones stick. Uh, do you have any episode premise, joke, gag, character trait, or idea that you wanted to put in the show, but then you were told not to do it? There are actually two journal entries in my book that... I pitched as episodes, and they were only premises. One didn't make it past the story meeting, and the other got sent in as a premise but didn't get approved. But I liked both of those ideas so much, I found a way to make them work as journal entries. And that's how crafty I am. Um, more, re- so, more reasons to get that book. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what they are once the book is out. So all of us, when we pitch premises, have ones that stick and ones that, no, oh, yeah, that one's not any good. And so that happens to anyone. A gag, usually my gags get cut later when the storyboard artist is there or for time, things get cut. But a gag that I'd written in Pinky Pride is during Pinky's ballad, and she's trying different jobs. I wrote that she's trying to sell apple pies from the Apple Family pie cart, and that Soren flies down to come and get an apple pie, and Pinky is trying to give him the apple pie, but she can't handle it. She can't, like her arm is quivering as she's trying to hand him over not hand, I hate that. <laughs> trying to give him the apple pie. And she's so stuck on being silly that she whaps it into her own face. <laughs> and then Soren looks sad because his apple pie got squashed. And that didn't make it in there. But, you know, that happens. I didn't put in the balloon thing to hold up the building. That's what they put in to replace it. So they trade one joke for another joke, and that's the way it goes. And I love that. That was hilarious that she's trying, you know, that that's supposed to be a girder. (laughs) And that doesn't quite work. So that just happens. And you go, oh, there you go. They they come up with brilliant stuff instead. It would have been absolutely hilarious to have another joke involving Soren and an apple pie. Because ever since season one, that's been a a running gag, and it's it's so rich. It it, it gives for so much comedy. It's it's Mm -hmm. hilarious. So in various interviews, you mentioned that, in fact, this one too, you mentioned that you know Lauren Foss and Craig McCracken. Um, How did you know them? I met Craig when I was working on Powerpuff Girls as a production assistant, and then I met Lauren when she came to work on the show. So pretty Mm -hmm. simple answer there. Yeah, and we just worked with each other through the years at Cartoon Network and then um, and then with Lauren on uh, Pony. We know from various interviews that, of course, and what you just said, uh, that uh, your favorite character to write for is Pinkie Pie. And 
you do a great job at writing her, but what character are you the most worried about when you are uh, writing for it? Like, what character do you write and you are like, oh, geez, I hope I got this one right. In the past, I would say that it was Rarity. The first time I had to write Rarity was very challenging because that was the Diamond Dogs episode, and it was such a tough balance making her I wanted to make sure she was likable but she was also being a bit of a pill <laughs> uh, so that was the balance there and then people end up loving that so I guess I did an okay job um, and I think it also has to do totally with Tabitha's performance I have to say as a, as a huge fan of Rarity you did a great job I Thank absolutely love that episode and it's immensely funny so well done thanks coming up in philly vanilli that's a fluttershy episode and i haven't written a lot of fluttershy at first i was a little nervous about that Mm. i am a fluttershy fan i I can't wait (laughs) (laughs) i think you hit the jackpot because norman's a fluttershy fan james is a rarity fan i'm a pinky fan oh my gosh that's cool yay trifecta Rarity is the type of character that is really difficult to uh, to to portray because she's kind of like the anti uh, uh, type of character that she is. Like in other shows, she have been like a villainous character, but she's pretty much a, a, a very heroic, very good, uh, kind character. So I'm pretty sure I I already predict. I'm pretty sure you completely uh, uh, rocked as uh, rating for Fluttershy. I'm excited to see how that one turned out because it's a very fun episode. Yeah, I cannot wait either. <laughs> I remember Andrea tweeting me. I forget if she tweeted me. I think she tweeted me or emailed me like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, this is going to be good. Yeah, I, I just can't wait. <laughs> yeah, Actually, speaking of which, since you're excited of seeing that, um, for your previous episodes, which one is, you know, uh, you've already answered which one you're most proud of, but how well do you think on a scale of one to ten to the anime and producers of uh, MLP turn your scripts into the episodes we know and love? How well did they capture your script and turn it into the episode? They do an amazing job. They are fantastic. I'm always blown away by what they take from our scripts and then what it turns out to. The whole um, goof-off section um, was insane. I mean, they went wild with that thing and put so much stuff in there. I didn't have a big wheel of cheese. (laughs) So they really just do a fantastic job and it's always fun to watch the episodes because they take the writing and then just run with it. It's so awesome. When it comes to fan art uh, or the, the little fan art that you might have might have seen, what is your favorite piece of uh, fan artwork that you might have seen so far? I have sitting in my office this really sweet poster of Doctor Who's giving uh, Derpy a kiss on the cheek in front of the blue telephone box. I just think it's a really sweet image and I like that one a lot. That's awesome. <laughs> that is, and suddenly all the hoobians in the in the stream just yeah, fist pump the air. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have to say that the Doctor and Derby are my favorite characters. Yay! Oh my god, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh wow. So uh, who is uh, your favorite writer from either uh, television, films, books, uh, comic books, etc.? Like, uh, who's your favorite writer? That's a good question. <laughs> when stuck, answer. we allowed multiple choices. <laughs> I mean, I, I recently reread Harper Lee's uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, but that's the only book she wrote, but it's so fantastic. And I wrote it while I was starting my book, and it was such a great book to revisit 
because she's such a good writer and I was dealing with in my book, I was dealing with telling about things that happened in the past and how much, you know, do you do that? And she does a lot of that in there. And so I enjoy her a lot. I don't know. It's more that I like, there are shows that I wish I got to write for if I'd been a writer at that time, that kind of thing. I really enjoyed the show uh, Gilmore Girls and I feel like my writing style would have fit in there. I really loved watching the show, My So-Called Life. And um, I don't know if you guys know that show, but it is so good. And it only had one season and Claire Danes and Jared Leto were the stars of it. And it was so true to the teenage experience it's more that that's what I connect with. I didn't watch so, Life, but my mom is a huge fan of Gilmore Girls. So yeah. when I tell her that, she's going, she's going to kind of go, oh, my God, that's awesome. I love the banter of that show. And all of the writers for that show did such a great job with the fast-paced banter. I can pick just one. I, I know Amy Sherman Palladino was the creator of that show, and, and I know she wrote a bunch of the scripts. Um, but I think the other writers also, you know, captured what, what she was doing. So, yeah, that's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> Very good answer. Uh, so if you ever had the chance to work for an animation studio, which one would you dream to knock on your door asking for a script for their next uh, movie, TV show, or, or whatever? Pixar. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> right answer. Yes. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that one's easy. Yeah, yeah, that one is pretty much the easy answer. But they, uh, that's a that's a very good one because they always put the story before everything else. Mm-hmm. They they always took care of the characters and the story. So yeah, I can totally see you working for them. Have you ever tried like sending them a script or trying to work with them? I haven't. I haven't. I have a lot of friends who work there though. So maybe someday. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, aren't you like friends with um, uh, one of the directors who won an Oscar for Brave? Yeah, that's my friend Mark Andrews. I actually sang at Mark's wedding. Um, <laughs> I sang the Ave Maria. Wow! Ooh, wow! That's um, yeah, Mark is married to my friend Pat, who is the first person who got me the job on Johnny Bravo oh. as a production oh. assistant. So, yeah, his wife and I, we were in the same class together at CalArts. Wow, it's so. a small world. Oh, wow. It That's, is a small world. Yeah, it is a small world. May I say he totally deserved that Oscar for Brave. He did a oh. great job with that movie. Yes. It totally felt like you were in Scotland. That was unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> If you could tell the Brony fandom just one thing, you know, I mean, not limiting you or anything, but if you had a chance to just say one thing to the entire Brony fandom, Bronies all over the world, what would it be? At this particular moment, just spreading the word on uh, helping Michael. And thank you to everyone that has donated. And thank you for, you know, immediately jumping in and and supporting this boy and his family. And, and thank you for, you know, doing that. Whenever a crisis comes up, like I said earlier, that it blows me away that everybody steps up to the plate and is so wonderful. This community is so generous. So keep on doing what you're doing. All right. That's a great message. We can do that. We can definitely do that. (laughs) Shout out to you, Michael. You stay strong. Yeah, don't let anybody tell you what you can like or don't like. That's for you to decide, man. It's very true. You know what's best for you and you have to stick with your friends. That's exactly what you have to keep on doing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I got an email from a fan of the show. He wrote in, um, when you write the episode for My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, do you notice that it's actually going to spawn a huge fan base filled with teens and adults? 
Originally when we wrote it, no, we had no idea that that's what was, what was going to happen. Lauren's goal with this show was to write a strong show for girls because so many shows geared at girls don't have strong role models and diverse characters. So that was our goal, was to write a really fantastic show for girls. And the fact that we have this completely different fan base is amazing, uh, but also completely unexpected. Hmm. That's a good answer. And that question was sent in by Fuzzly. And my last question to you is, um, I heard you played the ukulele. <laughs> How long have you played the ukulele? And maybe after the show, we can get a sample of your playing skills? <laughs> sure. Um, I got my first ukulele in June of 2012. I am still very much a beginner. I totally don't know how the fans found out that I play the ukulele because I was self-taught for the beginning. But then I was like, oh, I better actually learn a little bit more. So then I, I took a class, a group class at the local community college <laughs> to get a little better. I got it because, well, one reason my daughter had just gotten one and I was jealous. And then the second reason is, um, like I said, I, I sing and I've always been envious of people that can just sit down at a piano and play. And I thought, well, I can't do that because I don't have room in my house for a piano. And I took piano as a kid and I wasn't that great. But I thought a ukulele is not supposed to be hard. So that's why, that's why I got a ukulele and, um, I play songs that mainly have C's, F's, and G's in them. Um, if I can make that work, I can do just about anything. I have a couple other chords that I can throw in there if I'm feeling fancy. But, yeah, that's when I started the ukulele. By any chance, can you do the smile song? <laughs> Hold on. It's a very long song. What's funny is that, like I said, I went to my daughter's class yesterday, and I considered singing the smile song, but I was afraid she would kill me. Uh, so... Because it's one thing having your mom show up in your class. It's another having her sing in front of your class. So I can do my version of the smile song. I can't do the real version. I haven't figured out how to do the chords. I have to sit down and figure that out. The thing is, basing it off the chords that I know, it makes it a, a little bit high in my singing register. So I apologize for that. And I haven't practiced it. So uh, be, be forgiving. This is my version. Um, and I'm not going to do the whole thing because it is crazy long. Okay. Okay. My name is Pinkie Pie. Hello. And I am here to say, how you doing? I'm going, oh, no, that's right. All right. God will make you smile and I will brighten up your day. Bonjour. Cheering up my friends is just what thinking he's here to do. How I love to make you smile, smile, smile. Fills my heart with fills my heart up with sunshine, shine, shine. All I really need is a smile, smile, smile. Throw these happy friends of Your face has made 
It's true, some days are dark and gloomy and make maybe you feel sad. But Pinky will be there to show you it really isn't bad. There's one, one big thing that makes me happy and makes my life worthwhile. That's, sorry, that's when I talk to my friends and I get them to smile. Okay, we're going to skip ahead. We're skipping all the blabbity blab. Hold on, hold on. I really am so happy. Fantastic. That was the best song I've ever heard with three chords. <laughs> there are ways to finish an interview. I think this is the absolute Truly best. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming over and basically spreading spreading so much so much happiness and positivity with uh, with your writing and your and your songs. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me here. I appreciate it. Actually I have a curious question to ask. Uh-huh. More of a request. Can I do a cover of your edition of the Smile Song? Oh, sure. That sounds so good. That you, I would, you know, make it so. I wish I could play chords that my voice could fit better. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I guess yeah. We just need to figure out how you. I mean, I've sung it a couple times. Yeah, I could get you the lyrics, and you can do my version. Okay, thank you so much. Sure. But anyway, that was our guest, Amy Keating Rogers, writer for the show and all around awesome gal. Thank, thank you for coming, yes. Amy. And um, Amy, where can they find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Keating Rogers. And also at your website, right? Yeah, my website is amykeatingrogers.com. And fun fact, she has an IMDb page. <laughs> Not everyone has an IMDb page. Oh, yeah, I do have an IMDb page. That's true. And it's filled with nostalgia, so be ready. Memory lane. So let's move on to the next topic. The next topic is shoutouts. My first shoutout goes to you, Amy. Thank you for being on and being an awesome guest and just wow, making episode 100 awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. I was really happy to be here. 
And also thank you to all of the MBS show fans who have made my experience or our experience really fun doing this show every week. Um, Daniel, what about you? Oh, yes. I have a couple of shout-outs as well. First of all, to you, Amy, thank you so much for coming. It's been an honor to speak to you. Thank you. And um, next one is going out to Ali Monty and Flutter Cliff McKinney for... They are the ones that put together the the Michael Moronis live stream, and it looks really, really fantastic. And wow, it's raised over $20,000. Great job, guys. And a big shout-out to Michael as well. Stay strong, kid, you know. I know how it feels like. A lot of us have been through it. And yeah, even in university, if you like ponies, you know, they still don't like you very much. James, thank you for hosting me on this live show. I, I'm really grateful. Thank you. No, no, no. Thank you for, uh, for offering me being in this amazing show that I, I, I'll be honest, this is, this was new for me when I first came into it and now I am part of it. It's such a wonderful experience. I'm never forgetting this. So, James, your shout out? <laughs> Uh, my shout-out is obviously it's a big shout-out for uh, to Amy for coming over and just being uh, as wonderful, uh, happy, upbeat, and cheerful as the show she uh, she works on and and and, and brings to us. And uh, a big shout-out to uh, all the people that have been watching on the stream. And uh, last but not least, huge shout-out to uh, uh, Mighty Michael, Michael, Michael Morones, who is there fighting, and, and we are we are here to uh, help you, kid, out. And you're going to you're going to be you're going to be good. We know that mm-hmm. you have to keep fighting. Yep. And Amy, do you have any shout-outs to give out to? Shout-outs to Michael Morones and his family, and um, our thoughts are all with you. And please fight and get better. And my shout-outs to all the bronies uh, for being so awesome. Mm. And to all you guys for having me on the show. Thank you. You're welcome. And it was an honor speaking with you. And yes, people, uh, please donate to Michael and give him well wishes because I want him to wake up and listen to this episode, listen to how much the fandom is rooting for him. So anyway... If you have any questions, concerns, or suggestions for the show, you can contact us at thebeanshow.gmail.com. And if you'd like to email us personally, links are in the show notes. You can reach the MBS Show's Twitter account at the MBS Show. Sweetie Bot will just say stuff and kind of complain about editing the show because I don't give her the lots of thanks. And also, you can reach me at Twitter at Norman Sanzo, I tweet about food toys and whatever tickles my fancy. And maybe I should just promote Amy Keating Rogers' new book. <laughs> and then you can reach me on Twitter. I am Saint Pinky. S T P I N K I E. Um, nowadays, I speak when I'm spoken to. Okie dokie dokie. <laughs> and James. <laughs> Uh, you can find me on uh, at James Cork on Twitter uh, and on my DeviantArt at jamescork.deviantart.com and you can check my Tumblr on askmovieslate.tumblr.com Alrighty then, and also please subscribe and rate us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and also like our Facebook page. Yes, we have the Facebooks. I have been Norman Sanzo. I've been Daniel Anthony. I've been James Cork. I'm Amy Keating Rogers. And we are just going to celebrate like men right now. Bye guys. <laughs> Yay! Bye guys. Bye. Hundred episodes.
Brother Amy, um, I'm noticing here in the chat, one full paper is saying something. No, no. Like... He is saying that a lot of people are requesting for poof door. And I'm guessing pink fluffy unicorns dancing on rainbow. Oh. And full paper is saying <laughs> that uh, she has done it in the past and it's glorious. Is this true? Yes. Yes, that is uh, that is her video. It just got better. <laughs> thank, yeah. thank you, Amy, for making this song and making a smile yeah. on my face right now. 